Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Drip Podcast, the podcast where we need movies like we need our coffee. As always, I am Scott Lentz, here with my good friend and co-host, Christian Ubius. Christian, you just opened your water bottle. Should I hold off on a question? Do you need to take a sip? Are you parched? I'm very sweaty because I asked you if I could shower because it just came from a run and you didn't answer, which means that the answer is no. Well, it's just that we're recording a little bit later than we normally do and the, the Mrs. Mrs. Lentz and I have to make dinner at some point tonight, so I got to get back. But, you know, Christian, uh, it, we'll figure this out. We'll press on. I'm sticky. <laughs> but thankfully you're not too stinky. I don't smell you from here, and we're sitting relatively close together, so that's probably a good sign. I know my endorphins are very good. Like, they don't really, you know, release. <laughs> hear that? <laughs> hear that, ladies? Christian's <laughs> endorphins. Don't really? <laughs> but that's not why you came to this podcast, no, because this is Cinema Drip. It's the podcast where we, we need movies like we need our coffee, not where we talk about health and wellness. That's for Christian's sister podcast, Getting Fit with Christian. Coming to a podcatcher near you, am I right? I told you I'm going to start, someone invited me to start like weight training with them and then I'm running a half marathon next month. You told me you were running a half marathon. I did not know you got an invite to weight training. Apparently I'm going to start at end of April. I don't know. Ever since I got here, I started hiking and running and people are inviting me to do athletic stuff. I don't, I don't know what's happened. Well, Christian, you finally got out of Florida. You came to LA. The beautiful people in LA are getting you fit. They didn't do that to me, thankfully, but they're doing it to you. (laughs) Anyway... We are, in fact, here to talk about movies. And, of course, we are kicking off a brand new blend of the month because our guy, Christian, as I look at him now, is just about to turn the big 2-5. Correct, Christian? That is correct, yes. Incredible. We're celebrating Christian's 25th anniversary on this uh, this here podcast with our 1997 blend of the month in recognition of your Year of birth. So happy birthday, Christian, in advance. Thank you, thank you. And now feel free. Go ahead and kind of share with the listeners what this month is going to look like, what's informing your choices, and, you know, why you picked the one for today. So I am choosing three movies that encapsulate much more the box office of 1997 than necessarily critical acclaim. Because I do recognize there are a variety... When you look at the movies, you know, that were... uh, in the top 10, you have some all-time classics and at the very least, things that are still iconic. For example, what we're talking about today, Men in Black. Men in Black still has sequels being made, you know, and it's still being turned into a franchise because of what the story, the concept, the iconography, and the iconic performance by Will Smith was able to do. Therefore, I think that it's important to look at that because the top 10 list of that year is very different than the top 10 list of say what was it 2011 one of our favorite critics put out the top 10 um, domestic box office 2011 and everything was a sequel (laughs) part of a franchise or a sequel something like that exactly and this isn't this isn't it and also there's some overlap between things that were nominated for oscars for example titanic sweeping 11 awards and also the number one grossing film of that year and of all time until surpassed by James Cam- James Cameron's next movie Avatar. Yep. And this year we have Avatar 2 coming and look, I I don't know which one of us has November, but whoever has November, I I mean, or if if I have November, what's the month before November October? 
I might yeah. just be like, this is James Cameron <laughs> month because I, I've been waiting. I've been waiting for Avatar 2. And now that it's coming out, I'm like, I'm excited. I I think that there was an argument to me that he's the most important filmmaker ever. There you go. I mean, this is one of his his biggest years. It's the year that he became king of the world, as you're saying, Christian. And man, it is funny to look at this top ten list because there are some franchise movies that Jurassic Park sequel, The Lost World, was number two at the box office that year. Tomorrow Never Dies, which is a mediocre James Bond movie, was number four. But there's also movies like As Good As It Gets, which is a, a dramedy with Jack Nicholson being mean and winning him Oscars. <laughs> there's more to it than that. And Helen Hunt, right? And Helen Hunt. Yeah. My Best Friend's Wedding, a rom-com with Julia Roberts, made $300 billion at the global box office. So there's, there's a mix of movies here, and that's why it's fun to look back. A movie, a movie year that's not too far in the distant past, of course. 25th year anniversary. 25th year anniversary. It's 1997. And we'll be covering three of the top ten movies of that year here on this show. And we're playing a game. And we're playing a game. That's right, Christian. So I want to ask you, do you want to kind of set up where this month is going in terms of movies? Because we've mentioned what we're doing today, obviously. It's Men in Black. Hopefully you can check episode titles, listeners. And we mentioned that we'll be doing Titanic down the road, of course. But that leaves one more. Do you want to share with the listeners what that movie will be? Sure. That will be Liar Liar. The, <laughs> yes, the, the, the Jim Carrey. Which is also on this top 10 of 97 list. Made $302 million at the box office. A comedy with Jim Carrey. That's incredible. I watched it I watched it last night. And I rem- in the past, I think I've seen the second half, but not the first half. Interesting. And now being able to see the full picture, it's an interesting movie to make $302 million. <laughs> and you'll have to stay tuned for our thoughts on that, folks. But one thing that we wanted to do this month is a little competition. And there's going to be a prize in it for you listeners. Ooh, a prize. Because transparently, <laughs> very transparently, Christian and I were thinking, you know, how can we get the people engaged? What do, what do the people want? And we're still working, we're workshopping what we call fans of the show. Christian, I was, I was thinking like drippers, but that sounds kind of gross. So we're, we're, we're not calling them that. We have too much respect for them. We're workshopping it. You're not drippers, folks. But we, you know, want this to, we, we're grateful that you listen along and that you subscribe and that you check in with us. But we also want you to stay engaged and we beg you for emails every week and reviews and all these things. So, you know, we want to give you a, a chance to stay engaged, but also get something out of it aside from this content for your listening ears. So... We are going to be running a contest this month. Uh, And as I mentioned, the prize is going to be Christian and I will reimburse a trip to the movies for you. More more specifically, your movie tickets. We're not uh, rolling in that Squarespace money yet, but <laughs> once Squarespace or HelloFresh comes to us, we'd be happy to, to advertise and, and give you better prizes. But Christian... But think big. <laughs> Coca-Cola, Allstate, Geico. <laughs> you know that we've really made it, Christian, when we have those pre-recorded ads. It's not just like us reciting the copy. It's someone else <laughs> entirely coming into the ad. But Christian, I will turn it over to you. Go ahead and tell the listeners what the game is this month and how they can win. Okay, so there is a movie that came out in 1997. And this week, next week, and the following week, so after the review of Men in Black, after the review of Liar Liar, and after the review of Titanic, we will be dropping a hint as to what that movie is. These three hints lead up to each other. Or um, not lead up to each other, but combine so that you have an idea. We will take the first correct guess. Not the first guess, because maybe you guess that the movie is... I don't know, Reservoir Dogs, which would be wrong because that came out in 1992. <laughs> and doing so, uh, 
Yes, we're we're going to see. You will send it into cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com, but you have to listen till the end of the review to get the hint. There you go. So, stay tuned, folks. You'll get your first hint on this movie-based scavenger hunt later on in the show. So, Christian, I now turn it over to you. Let's kick off this 97 blend of the month in earnest, and let's talk Men in Black. Men in Black was released in 1997, Scott. What? 1997? How many times can we say that before the listeners go crazy? (laughs) I don't know, man. It's my birthday. I don't care. There you go, Christian. Let's go. Men in Black was released in 1997. It stars Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith in um, very iconic, and I just want to kind of give the premise, and I'm going to throw it over to you to give some of the major players. Cool? Cool. All right. So... Released in 1997, it stars the titular organization, the Men in Black, who are people that have disappeared, who who have left the grid. They're off the grid. There is no trace of their existence. And they choose this lifestyle because aliens walk around, like among us. And they are more concentrated in New York, which is where this story takes place, specifically in Manhattan than anywhere else. And they impersonate humans. And so we are dealing with tons of different species from different areas who think about different things and come from royal kingdoms and there are treaties and there are fugitives and everything. We don't go into all of those things, but that's the world that we live in. The Men in Black here facilitate human to alien interactions, wipe memories of humans who have seen aliens, and also make sure that any alien disputes get settled without the public knowing the aliens are there because that would shatter their reality and kind of destroy their happiness, quote-unquote. That we're very much living in an ignorance-is-bliss society. And Will Smith gets recruited by Tommy Lee Jones. There is Danger Afoot featuring um, a member of an alien royal family being pursued by what we only only see called the bug. And this bug is trying to take something from this royal family member, uh, and it's a very important something. So now, Scott, give us the major players. So this was directed by Barry Sonnenfeld and written by Ed Solomon, actually based on a comic series called The Men in Black. Which from is, Marvel. There you go, which was written by Lowell Cunningham. And Men in Black would go on to make $589 million at the global box office, which is a pretty nice return. Uh, It was number three at the global box office. And not only that, but it was also well-received critically and would go on to pick up three Oscar nominations, getting nominated for Art Direction, Set Direction, and Best Music, Original Musical or Comedy Score, and winning for Rick Baker and David Leroy Anderson's Makeup which I'm sure we will talk about. I think that is a well-deserved win. I, I am. I, I think it's a well-deserved win. I'm interested to hear, though, what, where the difference lies between makeup and visual effects here right? and how they blend together. And that'll be a fun piece of the conversation. Scott, are you ready for your opening question? So ready, Christian. Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. This is a buddy cop movie, if we break it down to its core. Who... Do you care more about and has the more iconic performance, Will Smith or Tommy Lee Jones? Who do I care more about and who has the more iconic performance? I mean, Christian, that's like... It's a it's a win-win situation it's a because win-win situation. both of these are so good. 
it's like who who's more you know important peanut butter or jelly you know it's jelly it's, it's <laughs> jelly is more important i guess i said peanut butter so i were already at an impasse but it's so hard to choose between the two of those guys because you get two flat out movie stars at separate points in their careers and they're acting like movie stars they're not acting right. like people they're like hey i'm will smith hey i'm tommy lee jones right tommy lee is a few years removed from his oscar win for the fugitive which was a previous episode if you want to go give that one a listen but he is a very known commodity in hollywood at this point and he's having the time of his life in big blockbusters like this and will smith is still on the rise and in fact was cast in this movie partly because of his role in the fresh prince of bel-air so still very connected to his tv roles not you know a full-blown movie star mania yet that would happen throughout the 90s of course actually what am i kidding we talked about independence day like independence day was one of the movies that really sent him off on a rocket ship so he's really on the shooting up to a complete utter triple a list movie stardom so it's so hard to separate these two and, and pick a favorite because they work so well together and will smith's he oozes charisma he is so funny and so fun to watch and has he part of the contrast between these two guys is that the men in black agency is a very secretive uptight government agency a lot of rules and regulations everybody's gonna wear a suit and of course will smith is a young brash police officer of the nypd who's connected to youth culture and and is a loose cannon who breaks the rules and so it's this perfect blend of archetypal characters of, you know, Tommy Lee Jones being the old guy who's been around the block and knows what he's doing. Will Smith, the young gun who's stepping in to partner with him. But their their respective personalities match so well together. It's hard to pick a favorite. If I had to, absolutely had to, I might say, I mean, I would have to say Will Smith because he's undeniable in this movie, but it's not anything against Tommy Lee because it's like trying to decide between who gets the A plus and who gets the A. Like, they're both so good. I think I'll also go Will Smith. Is this the first Will Smith movie we've discussed? I mean, we talked about Independence Day as part of our apocalypse. That's true. Never mind. Blood of the Month. Second, second. Yeah, this is and this is the year after Independence Day. Right. I mean, he yeah he is really taking off. It. Bad Boys was in nineteen ninety five with Michael Bay. Independence Day was ninety six for Roland Emmerich, and Men in Black is nineteen ninety seven, which is just an insane box office run, movie star run, and he made a couple movies before that as well. But yeah, he is really tip top of the A list right now, and we've we are now covering the second one of that. And I'll tell you right now, I would not be interested in discussing Bad Boys on this podcast, but one day if you force me to, we can make it happen. You act like I choose bad movies. <laughs> And if you bring up Moonfall again, I'm going to be upset. Moonfall, there it is. Moonfall is great. Now, the I would also say Will Smith, and I think it's just, he has the best lines. I mean, their delivery might be on par with each other, but do you remember the, the, the shooting drill? When he, when all of the, <laughs> you, you know what I'm talking about, right? When he's yeah. The, yeah and he gets brought into Men in Black and there's this test that goes on and of course it's you know six other guys or whatever who were in their military uniforms and he's in his street clothes and as part of this training process they have to go to a gun range and the lights are flashing and they're putting up these you know cut these cutouts of aliens and all the guys are unloading their clips into the aliens and then a little girl pops up and will smith who has not shot up to this point shoots one bullet into her forehead <laughs> and everybody asks him what are you doing <laughs> what is going on and he gets to go on this rant. Tirade of how a little six, seven-year-old white girl in the middle of the night with an AP, no, no, a physics book that's way too big for her 
has to be someone up to no good. Right. Which is one of those moments where he's, as he's delivering this whole monologue, it's It so makes funny. sense, though. Like, it makes complete sense. Like, that actually is suspicious if we're looking for hidden aliens. And, oh, man. But in, in terms of structuring our discussion, I did want to get into these two specifically because this movie does not exist without them. And so, in it, what are... We've talked about how iconic they are, how they're playing into their movie star role, how charisma oozes off of them, how much uh, star power and confidence they have as they walk about. But I think that there are a couple of things that are interesting. And I want to see what your thoughts are on this dichotomy. So Tommy Lee Jones' character has a wife that he left in order to join the Men in Black organization. Because again, once you join this organization, your entire existence is erased. Will Smith is not shown to have anyone. And therefore, his character is not bogged down, quote unquote, by a girlfriend, a wife, a child, or a family, or a friend. How do you think that they played into those roles and in how it moved the story forward? Because it's interesting to have these two yeah, it's, you know, it's one of those things where it's a little bit of, you know, movie BS where you wonder, how does this happen? And how do people continually join this agency and nobody comes looking for them? So, you, you but you just, you suspend your disbelief. You don't think too deeply about it. And it does add this, a little bit of heart to this movie where it it's not like it needed it to be a good time. Not like it needed it to even be a good movie, but it's, it's something else that works in its favor where you know that Kay, who is Tommy Lee Jones' character... Kay did give something up to join the Men in Black. He gave up this great love of his. And it adds some complexity to his character because although he's really fun to watch, up until that point, he's just this government agent who quips some one-liners, is very competent, but that helps make him more human. And Jay, who's Will Smith's character, Jay is already very human. And that's part of Will Smith's natural charisma. And we get introduced to him while he's chasing a suspect. And you see the ways that he is athletically superior to other NYPD officers, where he is obviously highly competent at his job as well. But he's quipping one-liners and doing very classic movie star things. We, we understand this guy is a, is a human. But we get that added piece of complexity uh, to, to Kay's character. And so... It's, it's added in very lightly. It's only sprinkled in, really. There's not some big, long monologue about how he's so sad and he regrets it all. Because it doesn't. But it, it is a really interesting piece of the puzzle. I would also say that... So, kind of delving a little bit into spoiler territory without outright saying it, Kay uh, will not be in the organization past this movie. And the, the moving on portion... All of that, I think, is something that movies are afraid to do and uh, and is, is, is best exemplified by TV shows, I think, that when your character matures, the show has to end, right? Because it's that lack of maturity or that, that that's um, static nature. That's what keeps the TV show going. That's what keeps the movie going. And so by seeing that Will Smith's character is still here, it, I think it also kind of puts that little nugget of idea in your head that Will Smith may eventually find someone whom he wishes to leave this organization for. Especially because we also meet Linda Fiorentino's character, who is a medical examiner who goes through these 
it is they bring dead bodies to her that are alien and so she helps them uncover this and then they wipe her memory but we see the ways that jay makes makes a pass at her and she banters back with him so even seeing the difficulties of the men in black lifestyle for him he's uh he's chatting up the one major female character in this movie and i'm sure he knowing will smith and just how charismatic he is that jay would have no problem doing or would have a problem continuing to do that even though he's a part of a secretive agency now let's move on to what kind of makes the movie alongside Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones, and that is the visual effects and the makeup for these aliens. Because there is... These are not just some humanoid aliens that, I don't know, have a pointy head, and that's, like, the entirety of their essence. Right. No. These are big, like, bugs or small little aliens living inside of a human shell (laughs) or, like, cockroach-infused things or coffee monster slime balls that like it and or things that can regenerate heads and there's a lot of goo in this movie <laughs> so there's so much goo <laughs> the only movie we've seen that has more goo than this movie is probably spirited away a lot of goo and spirited away but that's animated goo so it, it's not as <laughs> not as gooey to look at you know or a lot of the goo in this it's real it's real goo being <laughs> exploded on the people how did you view the, the the creation of these aliens? I mean, this stuff is so fun. And so many movies from this era, like movies in the 90s, strike a good balance of practical versus computer-generated effects. And so, I, something like Independence Day, I spent so much time in that review talking about how I loved the combo of the practical effects and the, and the CGI, because... The, they couldn't be wholly, totally reliant on computer-generated effects because they just weren't sophisticated enough. They were certainly getting there. It's not like they were even new. Uh, they were really developing throughout the 90s, and they do more than just create CGI characters. But even so, you still do get some of these practical costumes and makeup effects, and obviously that's why Rick Baker and um, David Leroy Anderson won their award because so many of these alien designs are so cool to look at. And thinking about... I think about Jack Jeebs, who runs a pawn shop and, of course, is secretly selling alien technology, who's an alien played by Tony Shalhoub, who I love from The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Which Such a good show. Is so good. We just finished up season four of that. He's also, obviously, Monk. Season four is over? I haven't started. Uh, check it out. It's hilarious. Right. But he's also Monk. For those of you who are Monk fans, he has one scene in this movie, and I wish that we get a second one because I love Tony Shalhoub. But, like you said, he's this alien character who is able to regenerate his head. So... K shocks Jay by shooting him in the head. His head explodes and grows back. And he's obviously wearing, you know, this this makeup prop that Rick Baker's given him. And it looks so cool. And it's so much better than if he were just some lame, completely CGI character that didn't get a ton of work on it because he's only in one scene. I love the the effects of this movie. And I don't think all of them have aged perfectly, but so much of the stuff that they do practically has aged really well. And I think the biggest piece of this that I want to talk about, because we haven't mentioned him really up until this point, is also Vincent D'Onofrio as Edgar slash the bug. And the makeup that he gets throughout this movie is incredible. Every time Vincent D'Onofrio appeared in this movie, he, he just, like, every subsequent scene appeared darker. Like, his skin looked darker, less le- less human and he kind of went into, he's wearing out this body, which I think was something that wasn't touched on, but was so cool right. to just see happen. That being said, every time I see Vincent D'Onofrio on screen, I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> 
he does have a habit of playing bad guys or guys who I mean I think about him in in uh Full Metal Jacket where have you seen Full Metal Jacket? I've not seen Full Metal Jacket. He it's a, a famous role of his because although he only appears in the first hour of the movie he is slowly driven insane by the drill instructor and uh, his his character's uh, Gomer Pyle so Private Pyle. Uh and and the last scene of his in that movie he's so terrifying is he's got this crazed look on his face he's wielding a gun and scaring people like he plays these types of roles so well and honestly i think his performance is all is almost the like unsung mvp of this movie not just because of the amazing effects that you know the makeup that he's wearing but the performance that he's giving is herky-jerky and weird he's captures this alien who is uncomfortable in a human body so well and he's funny as he's dropping these you know darkly comic one-liners as he's killing people and trying his best to find this the MacGuffin that they're going after but he's he's so fun to watch in this movie he really makes it uh in, in for me in, in many respects it's, it's another one of those things where you know you have this amazing dynamic between k and j between jones and smith but you also get a really good villain <laughs> because of the combo of the performance and the makeup effects you know who is weird What's Tell his me. name? Rip Torn? Rip Torn as Zed, who's the leader of Men in Black? He's, I don't know what action he was going for, or and if that's your normal voice, Rip. I'm, 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 <laughs> I don't I, think he's going for any accent. <laughs> Just kind of an authoritative government figure. It sounded like he was slurring his words. I, and, and that's, okay, look, look, this is what I'm trying to get by, by saying he's slurring. Everyone in this organization who has been here for years is slightly off in some way. And everyone in this movie is slightly off in a little way. So it's not just an absurd situation. It's also you see how the years are are taking their toll on it. And Will Smith comes in, and I think that's part of the charm of Will Smith in this movie. He's great at calling out things that are weird. Right. <laughs> like, that's a lot of what he built his brand on also. But... Be, but, but <laughs> But calling out, like, when the guy jumps off the ledge, because like, the alien jumps off the ledge because he's scared of someone coming, um, or or uh, uh, did the eyelid thing, you know, where he shut his eye, he blinked, right. but, but, this is but right sideways. At, right at the beginning of the movie, he's chasing this perp of his who we sort of understand is an alien and he doesn't know it yet. Or when Will Smith is encountering Linda's character and thinks that Linda's character is trying to flirt with him. And so he's just... Right. She's, of course, being held hostage by the bug. And she's trying to communicate where he is so he can do something about it. And he just keeps missing the point. It's great. And so, yes. And I, I guess... I, I wasn't the biggest fan of Batman, which we saw in this show by Tim Burton. But what I heard someone say about that movie is that Tim Burton had an eye for uh, just like still shots and cool sets you know and something to put on screen that was more than what you normally saw right and, burton and, had this great visual imagination for gotham and and not just like in the kubrickian sense who, who is truly one of the masters of production design but in like this is a fantastical or, or scientific thing you wouldn't normally see in the same way Barry Sonnenfeld, alongside all of the makeup and visual effects people, has this way of making these shots and these sets and these training grounds and these aliens that stay in your mind. Right. I, I think 
I don't know what's truly the most iconic thing. You know, it's, I don't want to say this one iconic set or whatever, but the Men in Black office or the headquarters, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> is the thing that I remember from this movie. That white room that's almost perfectly white has that giant screen where they can track all of the aliens on it with the two dudes, the twins who have the tentacles who run it. All of those desks lined up just so. It's one of those sets that just stands out. And he has this awesome moment of capturing it right as Jay is accepted into the Men in Black and he's making jokes to Kay, of course, and then is blown away once he lowers down in the elevator and gets to see this office for the first time. It's an awesome set and Sonnenfeld really builds to that uh, and it makes it stick in your memory. Now, I, I only have one last point I wanted to touch on and that is the galaxy is on Orion's belt. <laughs> yes, of course, as we come to find out, the Edgar slash the bug is chasing this hidden galaxy. He kills this alien who we come to find out is the prince of... Do you remember the... I should have... No clue. <laughs> I have no clue what that alien it's race is. Like the, the, yeah, I, there's an alien race whose their prince was a fugitive on Earth and the bug kills him looking for this hidden galaxy, this literal galaxy held within a, a necklace. And so he's trying to find it and we come to understand the galaxy is on Orion's belt and of course, Orion's a cat. Orion's a cat. It's not the real constellation. So the galaxy is on Orion's collar. Now the 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 ending shot of this movie, which I, I guess is a bit of a spoiler, <laughs> it's so good. Shows the camera zooming out and portraying the galaxy that we live in as another marble, as like That's... similar to the galaxy that was on Orion's belt. It's so good. <laughs> not only not only is it similar in size to the galaxy on Orion's belt, but <laughs> it's literally a marble being used in a game of marbles. Some other greater alien or more creature is playing marbles with it. And there is a lot of things, but I didn't expect it to end in kind of this theme, which can be taken as kind of existential. It's like, we're just another marble. <laughs> being played with by a different alien race and i i want to say that was there to try and almost diminish the necessity for conflict between alien races almost like look you're all small you're all puny uh why do you think one is greater than the other which is kind of a big theme for a comedy (laughs) and i wanted to hear your take on that it's it's vexing in a way because i really take it as a joke i I don't think that Sonnenfeld or Ed Solomon, who's the writer, were really going for making a big statement with it because there's there's not a ton of thematic richness to Men in Black. It's not a movie that needs that. Right. And so I, I just took it as sort of a joke, and I, I agree with you that it's something that's funny to think about because, in a way, it's funny that there's all these squabbles and we're, we're afraid that Earth is going to get blown up by this angry empire who's come to avenge their lost prince. And, and of course, at the end of the day, they're fighting over a marble that contains a galaxy, and we're a galaxy that's contained in a marble. <laughs> it's funny to think about that, but I think it was just sort of just a joke. But did you get something more out of it, or is that where you t- took it? I just thought it was a, an interesting way to end this movie. A very lighthearted movie with kind of like a giant theme that makes it funny to think about. You're right. And it's, it's one of those things, too, that you could cut off that last you know, 30 seconds or so, and you don't necessarily have a worse movie, but I think that because they included it, it's just one last 
joke for those of you watching at home, and it's it's one that works well. And obviously, in constructing comedies, you have to find a good rhythm and make sure that you have a good balance between between the jokes, and you have a good rhythm so people are laughing, and they can pause and laugh again, and that's just one good last comedic moment before the credits roll, and we get that sick Will Smith song. <laughs> that is, that's all that I have for Men in Black, Scott. I mean, Christian, I, I want to say, in terms of just Men in Black in general, what's what were your, I guess, final thoughts on it? If you had to sum things up on it, because for me, it's a movie that I really like, and yet, I feel like it doesn't necessarily like, surp- like reach the heights of uh, blockbuster movies for me. Obviously, it's not my favorite Will Smith movie, which is probably Independence Day at this point. You know, it's not necessarily my favorite Tommy Lee Jones movie. There are other sci-fi action or action comedies, and I like they call it a buddy cop movie because it totally is. Uh, but even so, like, there's a lot of buddy cop movies out there. I'm not sure if it's necessarily the one that I'd go back to, but I think this one is it's still really good and it's it's cla- like a sort of a classic for a reason, but. So that's kind of where I am. It's it's one of those movies where it's a lot of a lot of thumbs ups across the board, but it's not quite on onto my top ten lists of anything, you know. But what about you? What do you think? I I want to say that this is one where I understand every time people like wail and moan about a movie being memorable. Uh, <laughs> what do you mean? Um, in in terms of shots. Like, I walk away from this and I still remember the alien hiding inside the other alien's head. Or the alien's head that got exploded. And so, me, I, I do believe that the script could be stronger. And I think that that's where I, most of, of my critique would be. That this script can be tighter. Some of these jokes could be tighter, even though it is very, very funny. And this is like a very... It's a very quick movie. It's, it's a very quick movie. It's essentially 90 minutes before the credits, which in some ways is kind of great because it's just constantly on the move and you don't really have time to slow down. And <laughs> Liar Liar is also less than 90 minutes. There you go. But we make up with it by for it with Titanic, which is three <laughs> hours and 15. Well, we get out, yeah, our, our, our normal complete runtime is across these three movies by having two short movies and one super long movie. Hey, you were the one who said three-hour movie is alive and well. They, the three-hour movie is alive and well, Christian, let me tell you. Uh, but, no, so, I will always be able to call back to Men in Black and remembering what I felt during those times. And I think that, even though it's not my favorite, I agree with you, um, it very it exceeded what it could have done. There you go. You gonna watch Men in Black 2? Eventually, but like I'm not gonna. <laughs> I, I had to rent Men in Black One. I'm not gonna rent Men in Black Two. Yeah, I I saw the first two Men in Black movies a while ago with my dad, who I will say he called me the other day and he was stunned that you had not seen Men in Black before. And I'm like, Dad, of all the movies that we're watching for the first time in this podcast, why are you getting on Christian's case for not seeing Men in Black before? And Dad, if you are listening, there's still so many movies that I haven't seen as an adult that you should have shown me when I was uh, an adolescent and you're like trying to bond. It's still on you. But I I remember liking Men in Black and Men in Black 2. I remember absolutely nothing about Men in Black 2, but I did end up seeing Men in Black 3 in theaters, and I didn't see the one with Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson, so maybe we'll we'll get to the rest of the franchise one day. But... Any final thoughts on Men in Black, Christian? My parents didn't really show me movies, except for Star Wars, to which I am eternally grateful. Indeed. <laughs> but, and Planet of the Apes, if I recall. 
Planet of the Apes we watched together and they talked about Planet of the Apes. Like it's a franchise that I don't necessarily know if they grew up with. I mean, my parents were are from the sixties, but I don't I, I don't think at three my mom was like, Time for Planet <laughs> of the Apes. Oh my gosh. Well, that is Men in Black streaming on Fubo TV as we talked about last week. Rentable and everywhere at many other locations, and that is what we both did for this. So Christian, it's time for the first hint to be given out, correct? It is time for the first hint to be given out. I'm going to make sure that this is... I don't start a new timestamp. You're going to have to listen to the end of the timestamp for the review to get this hint. (laughs) There you go. And the first hint is that the movie we chose, not just from 1997, is part of a franchise. There you go. It may have started a franchise. It may be a sequel in the franchise, but it is part of a franchise. Part of a franchise, folks. So if you think you know what movie we are talking about after only one clue, feel free to send us an email at cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com. Christian, I want to try something here. Do we want to limit the number of entries people have so they don't just spam email us? <laughs> I don't, I'm not going to do that until they start spamming. If someone, if like some radical fans are like, I need to get this in, you know what? Good for you. <laughs> Good for you. I will say, uh, as the, you know, we check the email if you send it to us and there's a list of movies that you give, I will only we, go with the first one. We will only go with the I first one. I will only take That's the first fair. one. If you try to send me multiple emails in a day, I, I might be a stickler about it. But we love you listeners, so we'll go easy on you, especially this first time around. So feel free, of course, to send us in an email with your answer to this month's uh, scavenger hunt, I guess we'll call it. We could just make it easier on ourselves and say that you're not allowed to send in an answer until after Titanic. We also could do that. We also could do that. So at this point, we're, we're having an on-air production meeting. We'll say, listeners, up to you. You can take your time, get those clues in. We won't invalidate you, but, you know, Here, here's, okay. don't want to wait. <laughs> I, let, 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 me, let me just call this. Let me just call this. You can start sending in now. It's great podcasting. <laughs> you can start sending in now. We will not check until after Titanic. All right. There you go. So, I, I mean, if you want to, to have it sit in our inbox for weeks, you can. I will make sure that it gets read. But you have to after Titanic. And we will announce the winner, we'll say, on our final 97 blend episode. So not Titanic, but the bonus that comes after. Where we will talk about our top five movies. Top five favorite movies from 1997. There you go. So... Next week, we're talking Liar Liar, Jim Carrey's big biggest movie of 97, and that movie, last I checked, is also streaming on Fubo TV. so Fubo is really getting those 97 box office hits. <laughs> I, I got it, I started a free trial on Philo, which is, I think, 25 bucks a month, which is why I canceled. <laughs> <laughs> it's also on uh, Peacock Premium. For those of you who are high rollers out there and have premium Peacock. <laughs> I don't think I've met anyone who has Peacock Premium. Do you have Peacock Premium? I do not, Christian. But it is also rentable anywhere you can rent movies and hopefully you can borrow it from the library. So do check out Liar Liar and we'll be talking about it next week on the show. Mm-hmm. Until next time, listeners, thank you so much for listening to the show. We sincerely appreciate it. Obviously, we love watching these movies and discussing them. And so it means a lot to know that there are people out there listening along to our discussions. There are a few things you can do to support the show. Number one, please do subscribe and give us a rating or a review wherever you get your podcasts. Helps us reach new listeners on 
all those platforms and we love to shout out our reviews leave us a five-star review christian and i have soft egos and, and need to be have our <laughs> self-esteem lifted up you can also send us an email at cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com. We love listener feedback and sincerely appreciate it as we consider blends of the month or movies to discuss or different ideas that you might have for some of our bonus episodes. We sincerely appreciate the feedback that you provide. So if you have a movie that you want us to discuss or you have an idea for a blend of the month or you have a different idea for how we could program the show better, feel free to send us an email with your feedback at cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com. And hey, if you want to take a crack at guessing the answer to this month's scavenger hunt for your shot at a movie ticket on us, you can feel free to send it there as well. You can also follow Christian and myself on social media. I'm on Twitter, and so is the show, and Christian is on Instagram. And the both of us are on Letterboxd, where we are regularly rating and reviewing the things that we're watching. Christian, I was on a Letterboxd binge over this weekend because I got really behind with my reviews. You're normally behind, though. I was. I, I didn't notice it, I guess. <laughs> I know. I, I have a, a funny relationship to Letterboxd where I will watch a bunch of movies, not log them, and then I'll log five in a day, five the next day, and just start to get caught up on my list. But I put a lot of Batman-related reviews in because I hadn't been logging all the stuff we were watching last month. So uh, check out my, my Bat reviews there, folks. Any any fun Letterboxd happenings for you recently, Christian? Uh, not recently, although something that I would recommend is, uh, you logging a movie after you've seen it and just not writing a review and therefore you don't forget to log it. There you go. Or you can be a weirdo like me and keep a note in your notes app where you I write used to do that. the yeah. name of the movie and the date that you watched it. So you don't forget, <laughs> which is what I do. <laughs> three, I think three of my Bible study kids started letterboxed. Amazing. None of them have followed me. Spreading, oh my gosh. <laughs> Spreading the good word and also the gospel of Letterboxd. Way to go, Christian. Thank you. So, until next time, folks. Uh, I, I almost forgot. I almost forgot, Christian. I was going to end the show, but I always ask before I end the show, Christian, do you have any final thoughts for the folks listening along at home? I think Christian just shorted out, so we're going to have to turn him off and turn him back on and see if that helps. But until next time, this has been the Cinema Drip Podcast.